Welcome to the Joyful Journey podcast. If you're looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose or how to activate that purpose, and you are someone who wants to operate from your highest self to be a force for good you know this world craves, then this is the show for you. I'm Anita Adams, your host and guide to finding clarity and creating a life you love. Let's tap into our inner wisdom, access our highest self, and unleash joy. As we do this, we raise our vibration and heighten the collective consciousness. And that, my friend, is the joyful journey. Let's dive in. Hey, Joyful Journeyer, Anita Adams here, your host. And today I want to share a little story with you about an adventure to Morocco with my husband, Tom, and my son, Brennan, that taught me a few beautiful life lessons about living joyfully. So get comfortable and enjoy this ride to a foreign country. It's almost midnight when we walk out of the airport in Marrakesh. The night air is warm and Tom, Brennan, and I are excited about this new adventure. This trip will be completely different than anything we've experienced in a Western country. We are met by a driver who's waiting to take us to our Moroccan residence. He's friendly, welcoming, and chatty as he weaves his way through the busy city with all the motorbikes zipping around, some with three or four people on the bike. Whoa, that's insane, I think. And apparently very common here as I see a few more heavily loaded bikes zip by. Wow. We are staying in the Medina. That's the old walled city where cars are not allowed. So our driver turns down a quiet street, parks, and gets out as two large men approach. He says something to these men in Arabic, and without looking at us, these men pick up our bags and start walking towards the archway that leads into the walled city. Follow, our driver instructs. They will take you to your place. We listen, putting our trust in these strangers in this strange land where we know nothing. These two big men saunter on, making no attempt to communicate with us. I try to create a connection. What a warm night, I say lamely. No response. They don't speak English. And the only word I know in Arabic, which I just learned from our driver, is salam a greeting of peace. Salam, I say. One guard, that's what he feels like, looks at me over his shoulder, nods slightly, and continues down the narrowing road. As we are guided through the pink-walled labyrinth with hardly another soul in sight, I can't help feeling a growing discomfort. Who are these men, and how do we know they are actually taking us to where we're supposed to go? But we continue to follow, and now I'm making uncomfortable, idle chatter with my family as a form of distraction. Ooh, look at all the cats. They're everywhere. I bet the street really comes alive during the day. I wonder what those hooks are for. Eventually, our guards stop in front of a heavy wooden door with a cast iron knocker. They rap on it, and we all wait in silence. When the door finally swings open, we are greeted by a young man with kind eyes and a big welcoming smile. Come in, come in, he beckons, 
Relief floods my body as our bags are unceremoniously deposited by the door and our guards slip away into the night. Quickly forgetting these men, I turn and take in the splendor of what will be our new home for the next few days. This place is beautiful. It's a Riyadh, which, which is a traditional Moroccan home or palace that has an indoor garden or courtyard. There are four guest rooms in this Riyadh with a communal rooftop dining and lounge area. It's absolutely delightful. And so is our private room with its three single beds. I'm in love with this charming place. The next morning, we are ex excited to head out into the walled city. We are certain it will have transformed from the night before. And indeed it has. Our host tells us we must walk single file down the streets. And we soon discover why. There is an equal number of motorbikes to pedestrians. And the motorists aren't holding back. They quickly weave between and around people. Coming so close, one misstep could easily get you run over or bounced out of the way. Mixed into the throng are donkeys carrying carts with sacks of who knows what. Shopkeepers are standing in front of their tiny stores vying for your, your attention and beckoning you to buy their wares. The smells in the air are rich. I pick up hints of cumin, turmeric, saffron and something floral i can't put my finger on it reminds me of my grandma and a peaceful time playing in her garden there are other smells too unpleasant smells something pungent and unfamiliar all of these scents mix in together some rising above others as we wind our way through the medina we turn down one street and a man stops us. Oh, no, not that way, he says. You don't want to go down there. You want to go to the tannery. That is where you will experience something really unique. I tell you which way to go. I do this as a gift to you, free of charge. That should have been our first warning to go the other direction. He then sees a young boy walking by and calls out to him, saying something in Arabic. This is Abdul, he tells us as the boy approaches. He's heading towards the tannery and will kindly show, show you the way. Oh, all right, we think. Why not? And we follow Abdul. As Abdul leads us further and further away from the busy center of the Medina, I find myself again wondering about the safety of this choice of following a complete stranger. It feels all right, though even if it is a bit uncomfortable. I realize there is always a certain degree of risk one takes when traveling. This is a calculated risk, I tell myself, one that will likely only involve having to pay someone something for a tour. That's to be expected, and I'm all right with that. As we approach the tannery door, another man steps forward and thrusts a bunch of mint leaves in my hand. Face mask! He says, at first, I'm not sure what he means until I step through the door and I'm hit by the smell. Ah, face mask. I pull the fresh mint leaves to my nose and take in a breath. It doesn't completely cover the smell of rotting carcasses, but it helps. 
I realized that smell of decay is what I picked up earlier, mixed in with the sweet fragrance of spice and floral. The young boy who led us here looks up at me expectantly, and I hand him 200 dirham, which is roughly three Canadian dollars. Abdul quickly slips away, no doubt to find his next target. As we are taking in this strange environment, we are standing inside a building with no roof and large holes in the floor. Another man approaches and beckons us to follow. He leads us along the pitted floor where the hides are being dyed, grays, blues, purples, a mustard yellow. Each pit is another coloring bath for the goat and camel hides. There are also small rooms off to the side where more men are working, stripping the hides and preparing them for the colored baths. I bring the mint leaves to my nose again and take another filtered breath. When we finish the tannery tour, our guide leads us out the door and back into the labyrinth of the Medina to one of the shops. Ah, now we are expected to buy something. I see how this works. Once in the store, I try to give our guide some dirham, but he declines. That's interesting, I think. Perhaps the shop owner gives him a commission. It happens Brennan was planning on buying a shoulder bag, so we feel all right about spending some money in this shop to find the right item. The shopkeeper is, is on us fairly quickly, all smiles and eager to assist. He brings us to a private back room and says, sit, sit, I will now bring the rugs for you to see. Oh dear, we better nip this one in the bud pretty quick. We don't want to buy a rug, I tell the shopkeeper. My son would like to buy a bag though. Ah, yes, says the shopkeeper turning to I, Brennan. Let me show, show you our beautiful leather jackets. I have the perfect one for you, young man. Try this one on, he says. Uh, uh no, that's, that's all right, says Brennan. It's, too hot to try on a jacket, and I, I really just want to look at the bags. Ah, very well, this way. While Brennan is looking at bags, I find something I like too. A pair of wrap-around Moroccan pants. They look super comfy and sexy. I want a pair. How much for the pants? I ask. Wait, the shopkeeper tells me. We will discuss after we find the bag for your son. It will be a negotiation then, I realize. Ugh, I suck at negotiating. That is way out of my comfort zone. But I want these pants. Brennan settles on the bag he wants, and we are led back into that private side room. The shopkeeper pulls out a calculator and types in some numbers. This is the deal I can give you for the bag and the pants. It's a very good price, he assures me. Yeah, sure it is, I think. I try to do the calculations in my head to figure out what it would, would cost in euros or Canadian dollars. I'm flustered trying to do the math while this shopkeeper rattles on behind me about this being such a good deal. I can't seem to grasp what the price is in a currency I'm familiar with, but I am certain he is asking well above what I'm willing to pay. So I say, the most I want to spend is 60 euros. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. That's, that's too low. You're asking a lot more than I want to pay, I say. Well, what will you pay, madam? 60 euros, I repeat. Nope, nope, I can't do that. 
Looks like this is it then, I think. Negotiation's over. Probably a good thing. I get up to go. I'll give you both the pants and the bag for a hundred euros, the shopkeeper says as we are making our way out the door. No, that's still too much for us. Tell me what you will pay, madam. I already told you, I don't want to go over 60 euros. All right, I'll give them to you both for 70 euros. I agree. Tom gives me an irritated look. By this point, he just wants to get out of that store. But I really want those pants. 70 euros is just over 100 Canadian. That feels about right for a beautiful leather bag and pants. I suspect the shopkeeper still gets a good price, but it's a fair price for us too. I'm feeling relatively pleased with myself as we're heading out the door as I finally realize the shopkeeper came down more than half what he initially asked. Maybe I'm not too bad at this negotiating thing after all. Then our tannery tour guide and two other guys step in front of us, stopping us in our path. Clearly, they've been waiting for us. The hair on the back of my neck rises. This doesn't feel right. One man says something aggressively. You need to pay my friend for the tour. I tried to pay when we were in the shop, I reply. Our tour guide shrugs and his big friend says with a more intimidating tone, you pay him now. I pull out the dirham from my pocket that I had tried to give the guide earlier. He takes it and the friend growls, that's not enough, you pay him more. What? No, that's all I'm giving you, I say as firmly as possible as my insides are turning into anxious knots. Is this going to turn ugly? The three men start speaking Arabic and I say with as much confidence as possible, That's all we can give you. Thank you for the tour. Have a great day. And with that, we turn and walk away. My heart is pounding. I'm worried they might be following us or harass us. But they leave us alone as we move further into the crowded street. As we turn another corner in the labyrinth, we all breathe with a bit more ease. That was hugely uncomfortable. And we are all rattled. And now we are feeling angry, like we have just been played, that we've been taken for fools. Did we get ripped off? The further we move away from the tannery district, our nerves and those accompanying negative feelings begin to fade. As uncomfortable and unnerving as that whole experience was, we are pleased with our purchases and feel the price we paid was fair. We didn't get a great deal, but we didn't get ripped off either. And we paid our tour guys what we felt was fair too. Although we feel fine about the outcome, we tell each other we will not be fooled into taking any more unsolicited tours. We'll be wiser the next time we head out into the fray. A mere few hours later, after our midday nap, we are out in the Medina exploring again. We are barely 10 minutes into this evening stroll when a pregnant woman grabs my arm, firmly holds it, and begins painting an elaborate design in brown ink. Oh, no, 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 that's all right. No, no, thanks, thanks, I stammer. This is a gift to you, madam. Tell me, where are you from? Canada, I sigh. Ah, must be cold there, she says, as she continues to paint up my arm while full 
firmly holding my wrist. Come, come, have a seat. No, that that's okay. But she pulls me along and practically pushes me on a stool, all while cooing softly about the pretty design she is making and how it will bring me happy sex into my life. Is this your husband? She asks. Yes, and my son. Another woman comes and grabs Brennan and starts her elaborate paintwork up his arm. I'm mesmerized by the Hannah design my pregnant gal is making and how quickly she works. It's actually quite beautiful. Okay, we are done, she suddenly announces. This is how much this design costs. And she shows me a book with the price. 1,000 dirham. What? That's 100 euros, almost 150 Canadian dollars. I'm computing conversions much faster now. But you pay what you want, she tells me. Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening again so soon after our experience this afternoon. Do we have fools written across our foreheads? We give her 300 dirham and she shakes her head as she takes the money from my hand. That's not enough, she says. You must pay 800 dirham, even though she had just said I can pay what I want. And she previously said this was a gift. I didn't ask you to paint my arm. You grabbed me and just started painting, I tell her. We will give you 300 dirham and that's it. I am pregnant. You must give me 800. No, this is all we will give you. Then she smiles kindly smiles and we walk away that smile was something it catches me off guard there is so much kindness in her twinkling eyes and i realize i realize in that moment this is a dance a dance that we must learn and mustn't allow it to unhinge us I probably paid way more than I should have. But again, I love what she created and mostly enjoyed the experience. These people aren't out to get you, like I had been feeling as I walked through the Medina all day, clutching my bag and fearful of making eye contact. This is the way of life here. And there is kindness and compassion under that drive to part you from your money. All right, maybe those tannery guys were a little much, but perhaps we were the fools to follow them in the first place. It seems the lessons are coming fast and furious. I tell myself we will learn what we need to, to create boundaries without putting up walls, to stand strong in what feels right and still be kind and speak with a smile and from a place of love. We could choose to look at these experiences through a negative lens and allow them to taint our impression of this foreign land and its people. Or we can allow these experiences to expand us, to increase our awareness, our understanding, and our appreciation of a world very different than the one we are used to. I choose to be expanded. The next day, as we are walking through the Medina, I start to look really look at the people and listen to what they say as we pass by. Yes, they want to sell us their wares. And yes, there's that sparkle in their eye too, that big smile, that welcoming gesture. 
Even when we say no thank you to their invitations to buy their products, they always respond with, you're welcome, come back another time. As the days pass, I feel myself sliding more and more into the rhythm of this hot city. My walk through the Medina has become a slow, comfortable saunter, even among the throngs of people and the motorbikes weaving around me on these tiny, narrow streets. This is the way I want to walk through life, I think. A slow saunter, noticing the people and environment around me, acknowledging the people and the environment around me, and accepting the differences and the similarities. Truly, when you open your eyes and take it all in, you notice more similarities than differences. People are people, doing the best they can to create a life. I kept my eyes and heart open for the rest of our time in Morocco and had some beautiful experiences and connections with some wonderful people, including some interesting shopkeepers trying to sell me everything in their store. Letting go of the way I think things should be done and how people should behave helped me enjoy this unique experience and to see the wonders and beauty that surrounded me. That is a big part of living a joyful life, noticing the wonders and beauty that surround you, even when it's so different than what you are used to. Thanks for listening to my story, Joyful Journeyer. And may you saunter through life, noticing the wonder and beauty that surrounds you wherever you may go. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining me on the Joyful Journey podcast. If anything resonated for you from today's show, or if you are looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose, or how to activate that purpose, then head over to joyfuljourney.ca and become a member of our community. We'll start by sending you a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom, which will give you a great foundation for finding the clarity you are seeking. And you'll become part of a growing community of people who are raising the collective consciousness. So head over to joyfuljourney.ca and I look forward to connecting with you directly.